for those that don't know me, I'm Stuart. I know a lot of you. I'm here tonight to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and about gentleness. And I bring greetings from St. John's in Linlithgow. Mm-hmm. I guess this is Church of the Barony, St. John's in Bonesh, right? Mm-hmm. Which is exciting. Over in St. John's, we've been studying Ephesians just over the last month or so. It's been a really good series, or at least I think it's been a really good series. We've been exploring the whole theme of what it means to be rooted in Jesus, what it means to be reconciled, this whole big theme about reconciliation. One, we're reconciled back to God through the work of Jesus. Two, we're reconciled, Jew and Gentile, to each other. And thirdly, this is the really cool part, at least I think it's cool, we're established (coughs) in Christ into a church, into a body, a body of people together that are the hope of the world. Bill Hybels, one of my heroes in the Christian faith, says that the local church is the hope of the world, which means for you guys here tonight, you are the hope. For Bones. Now it was interesting coming over here tonight. I got into one of these irate driving situations. And this has actually happened to me twice in the last week. And I'm like a meek and mild guy. I'm not one of these road rage kind of a guys. But I was just driving down from the golf club tonight. There was this guy with a trailer driving up. And there wasn't room for both of us. And he just started going mental at me. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Want me to do so? I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what, you keep your truck there, I'll drive back. And I had the exact same thing happen on Saturday night when I was going out with ice cream with my 11 year old, Karis. We're at the 4 in 1, just about to go to Candid's in Rumford, where I live. And I literally stepped onto roads, and a guy in a BMW X5 honked the horn. Have you ever heard the horn of an X5? It's quite loud. And I jumped out of my skin, and the guy just started <coughs> raging at me. I'm like, you scared the life out of me. But it's okay, I'll, I'll be. I'll be the one to say sorry for that. Why why am I sharing that? I'm sharing that because there's a lot of anger out there. Particularly with men. Just just this pent-up rage. And in in both of these situations, the solution for these men were to hit the accelerator and disappear. Like, somehow that was like their validation. (laughs) I'm off. And it just made me sad. It made me sad because I, I know that my life is difficult at times, but there's just such a lot of pain in Rumford right now, pain in Bowness right now. And my message to you tonight from Jesus is that, that you're the hope. Yeah. You're the hope for Bowness. And I get excited and encouraged every time I come here because this is a missional church. It's not about the event of church on a Sunday, although it's great to gather. It's about the turning, and it's about home groups, and it's about missional activities. It's about the bonus fair. It's about engaging and relating to people that are really hurting, really hurting. And that's why we're looking to establish the church here, and we're looking to establish church in Bathgate, and in the Braes, and wherever God tells us to go, because we want to be a missional people that bring the hope of God to the world. That's just for free. None of that is in the script. <laughs> But that's God's heart for tonight. In Ephesians 1, 
Paul introduces us to this big theme and this big concept of being found in Christ. What does he mean by being in Christ? He means Jesus has set us free from the bondage of sin and death, from that kind of despair. Jesus has given us access to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. We are part of his body, right? The church. Together, we are the church. So how do we behave in this body? Well, according to Galatians 5, which we've been looking at, we're to behave in a loving, joy-filled, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle way, full of self-control. Right? That's what we're called to be. That's who we're called to be. And tonight we're looking at the fruit of the Holy Spirit and particularly the aspect of the fruit called gentleness. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, firstly, we need to meet Jesus. Access to the Holy Spirit comes through Jesus. This fruit is exposed in our life because of the work of Jesus. This is Paul in Ephesians 2 describing our state before we met Jesus. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond to this work of Jesus? We accept it by faith, not by works. We start from a place of rest. We just accept the grace that God has given us in our lives. I genuinely think that one of the biggest gifts that God gives us is the Sabbath. In this work-crazed, prove-yourself world, I get my identity from my work thing. God enters and says, I've done it. Have a day off. Relax. Do you know the first thing that humans ever had was a day off? Right? You get that? We were created on the sixth day and then we had a day off. <laughs> we work from a place of rest. Do you know that the Jewish day starts in the evening? It starts when you're off work. And once you've been off work, and once you've rested, then you go back to work. We work from a place of rest. There is no fruit of the Spirit without rest. There is no gentleness without rest. In fact, some of us can be decidedly ungentle or not gentle because we've not rested well. We rest, we wait, and then we respond in the power of the Spirit. In Luke 24, Jesus says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. 
but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of God's power at work in our lives. It's God that brings the fruit to bear. You see, you can't manufacture the spiritual fruit of the Spirit any more than a tree can produce physical fruit on its own. It needs heat from the sun, it needs rain, it needs good soil. God provides the heat, the rain, the good soil. He creates the right environment for us for the tree to flourish and to bear fruit, right? So in the same way, they or God creates the right environment for us to flourish and for us to produce this good fruit in our lives. We need to be in the flow of the Spirit of God. We need to be living in the power of the Spirit. Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In a minute, we're going to pause just for us to think and pray. If you're not a Christian and you've never considered Jesus, consider him now. If you want to become a follower of Jesus and have the Spirit of God at work in your life, all you need to do is say sorry for the things that you've done wrong in your life and invite him in. You can do it right now while we pause for a minute. Or maybe you are a Christian and you've been pulling against the Spirit's flow in your life. The fruit of the Spirit isn't evident in your life as it should be and you know it. Well, it's the same thing. You just need to say sorry for pulling in the wrong direction and ask him to forgive you and ask to walk in that flow of the Spirit. So we're just going to do that for right now. You can shut your eyes if you like. I'm just going to pause for a minute and you can talk to God. I just get a real sense that there's a lot of burdened people here tonight and Jesus just comes alongside you and just says I'm not here and the Holy Spirit just wants to fill you afresh again so God come again and fill these people fill your church give them a clarity of thought God so that they can get the big list of to do's out of the road and they can just focus on on you and resting in you and their connection with you Amen so what is this life by the spirit well you've been studying Galatians 5 so you should be able to tell me but I'll tell you what I feel it is and this is just from Galatians 5.13 through to the end of the passage. Number one, 
what is life in the spirit? Well, it's learning to live freely. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Well, what is freedom? Freedom is the opportunity to live out the life you were made for. That God created you for. Danny Silk, in his book Culture of Honour, makes what I think is a very profound statement. The goal of God's leadership in our lives, and consequently the goal of church leaders, is to create a safe place for us to discover who we are and why we are here. So let me say that again. The goal of God's leadership in our lives, and consequently the goal of church leaders, is to create a safe place for us to discover who we are and why we are here. God wants you to be free. God wants you to flourish. Whether you're a new Christian or whether you're an old Christian, whether you're young or whether you're old, he created you and he saw you in his mother's womb, in your mother's womb. And he has a unique plan and purpose for your life. And he wants you to live that life and he wants you to live it freely. And I'm sorry that sometimes leadership in churches and the way that churches function head you in the opposite direction where you feel less free and more judged rather than more free and less judged. And I'm sorry for being part of an institution that does that to people because Jesus wants you to be free tonight and want you to understand that piece I'm currently teaching my kids how to manage their freedom (laughs) (laughs) Joshua is 12 and Isla Karis is 11 so they're my two biggest challenges Josh has just gone to high school he's up at 7 now supposed to 8, 30 minute walk to school come on making his own lunch so I got it, he's doing well I've got to help my 11-year-old girl, Karis, manage her freedom in a way that keeps her safe, right? That's dad's biggest concern. In another of Danny Silk's book called Loving Our Kids on Purpose, he talks about teaching your kids to look after your feelings. So how do we teach kids to protect our hearts? So just in the last couple of months, I've started saying things like, I'm sad just now because you've done this. I'm upset just now because of this. And it's kind of hard for me as a dad to be vulnerable like that. Teaching my kids to be responsible with my emotions. This is powerful stuff. This has really helped me develop my relationship with my two girls, especially. They hate making me sad, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) But God's been speaking to me about what it looks like in our family to look after each other because you can't be free unless there's trust and you have the ability and opportunity to be vulnerable how do we do the same thing with adults in our church how do we live freely with each other like this is my whole heart around this culture of honour thing that I keep talking lots about that's what it's about It's about freedom to be yourself. And it's about honouring each other and allowing people, with all their flaws, 
to be themselves. So that's the first thing, learning to live freely. Second thing is to not indulge the flesh. That's from 5.13. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, don't get involved in the stuff that you used to get involved in. Thirdly, serve one another humbly in love. Fourthly, love your neighbor as yourself. That's from 13 and 14. And then from verse 22, become fruit producing. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And finally, keep in step with the Spirit. Like we were talking about in the beginning. Keeping the flow of the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, verse 25, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So now that we're living in the Spirit and we're primed to produce good fruit, what exactly do we mean by this one gentleness? Well, the Greek word is protes, means um, translated gentleness into English. It means to submit one's strength in a posture of meekness. It means consideration, humility, <coughs> mildness of disposition, and gentleness of spirit. I love that. Submit one's strength in a posture of meekness. You see, you may have authority over someone, be it by position or be it by status, but you choose not to use it. Gentleness. Instead, you persuade, you cajole, you reason with. This is a great quote that I got from Compelling Truth, which is an <coughs> online newsletter of gotquestions.org. This is what it says about gentleness. The gentleness in the New Testament is closely related to wisdom and spiritual growth. Galatians 6, 2 Timothy 2 and 1 Peter 3 all use gentleness to describe the way we are to correct or teach others. We are to submit our strength, including the strength of our convictions, to God's wisdom. We share truth in a spirit of love. This does not mean that we aren't strong in our convictions or that we don't stand up for what we believe in. Gentleness is not weakness or lack of conviction. Rather, it means we value the person we are sharing truth with and thus treat them as a person made in God's image. Gentleness. This is a beautiful picture of gentleness. A gentle authority. Gentleness is about treating people with respect. Honouring their humanity and the fact that they have been created in the image of God. It doesn't mean that you don't confront. It means that you confront in love and from a perspective of helping people to be more like what God created them to be. Jesus did not say, neither do I condemn you, you may now go. He said, neither do I condemn you, go now and leave your life of sin. True gentleness brings the truth of God and the power of God to bear in a way that respects people's humanity, respects the imago dei, the image of God in them. 
Just as we finish, I just want to share another story of gentleness. And it's how Jesus wants to relate to you tonight. And it's how Holy Spirit wants to relate to you. And it's from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Like I said earlier, you might be having a really difficult time in your life just now. You may just be really tired and really exhausted. God wants to come to you gently to refresh you. He wants you to know that you lack nothing in him. He wants you to lie down in green pastures. He wants to lead you. He wants to refresh your soul. And I'm just going to ask him to do that right now as I close. Jesus, thank you for this church family. Thank you that they care for each other. God, we acknowledge the pain that is in people's lives and we bring that to you. I'm just going to give you space just to do that just now, just the pain that you're carrying. Just give it to God just now. Holy Spirit, come and refresh the souls of the people here tonight. Help them to lie down in green pastures. Help them to find a rest in you.